Welcome to the Lesbo and the Bean universe. Lesbo and the Bean. L-A-T-B. Lat-B. Where mixed martial arts and the UFC get silly. Big silly. Buckle up and move your tray tables to their upright position. And please, somebody shut that baby up. It's time for Lesbo and the Bean. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode 160 underway. Here with the star-studded weekend, along the way, I've actually heard some people shitting on this card, and I don't see how. I think this is one of the most most stacked cards of the year. How have you been since we last talked? How can you shit on this card? Who right? even cares how I am? The bullet's I... on this card. I don't even believe we're going to see her fight yet. The only reason I do believe it is because JJ isn't a bitch. JJ isn't a pull-out artist. JJ is a professional fighter, so I believe both women are professionals that are going to show up. That's who, my hope. Who is properly prepared. She took the time. She even turned down other fights at earlier no notices, which makes it a really intriguing marquee matchup. But we got a ways to get there before we get there. As the week's gone on, there's been a ton of MMA news dropping. We've been getting signed bouts. We've already had a bout fall out for UFC 2-1-3 out of Toron- Toronto. Is that where we're coming out of? Is we're it 2-1-3? 2 3 one Sorry about that dyslexia coming into play there. But uh, we lost Jesse Ronson versus Ferreira the first bout of the night due to Jesse Ronson weighing in Monday morning at 20 pounds over oh, the limit. Oh, Jesus. So the commission pulled him because they thought it was unsafe. He did take the fight on two and a half weeks notice, which is about 21 days. Yeah. That's Notice. a short time. Short time to cut. It is short time. Um, they're trying to find Ferreira another fight. It's going to probably be a local Kyle Nelson. Against. Oh, they officially did find I'm it. I'm just looking right at... You know, I don't pick till we're on the show. So I just opened my tapology.com and the first fight, Diego Ferreira versus Kyle Nelson. Oh, I don't even have that. Let me refresh my card because that was as of this... I still don't have it on my tapology. It's on there. You might have to... Completely exit it? Yeah, you might have to... So, other news that's been going down, uh, one of the biggest things that I've seen a ton of fight fans complaining about right now is that Greg Hardy officially has his debut set for January on the same card that Rachel Ostovich is coming back on. Ooh. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of the community's really been up in arms. How do you feel about that situation now? For those of you who don't know, um, there was a domestic dispute. It was talks that Ostovich, who's um, like number one hottie in the UFC right now, or in top three for a lot of the dudes, or women for that matter, had a broken orbital bone from her, was it her husband? Or Correct. her boyfriend? Husband. Um, Baby that daddy he did as well. It. The other argument I've heard in the contrary to it is that she's the abusive, psychotic one who actually is the professional fighter, and he was just sticking up for himself. Um... Uh, I don't know. I'm hearing there's a lot of weird discrepancies going on in sports in general about how uh, certain ladies are getting manhandled, but it not necessarily, you know, a lot more guys are taking the dude's side. They're like, hey, kicked her in the butt, you know, the football player, you know, or so I don't know about this one is was he sticking up for him? I don't know how you stick up for yourself with a clean punch to the orbital or an elbow to the orbital. I don't know how that, I can understand how you, she might have bruises on her arms because maybe you were just holding her, you know, when she was losing her mind and you were just bear hugging her. <laughs> okay. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe I understand. You're just, like, I'm trying to think of a way that a man could, uh, that would hold a lady down without getting hurt himself. 
or leaving bruises. I don't know. I Or not even trying not to leave bruises. Like, let's say, like, if if me and you got into a fister right now, you could take me out with one punch. But you wouldn't want to get in trouble for that. And so, and you'd be like, this bitch is crazy. You could put me in a wrestling move and hold me down with my face to the ground sure. until somebody else got there. 100%. Without getting in and be like, I never swung on her. Yep. I never touched her. Yeah, very true. I didn't. There's things that he could have done that. So the only thing I can think of is, did he push her to the ground and her orbital hit the ground? What happened for this to happen? Because I do believe ladies can go ham. Uh, I also think that maybe she slipped on a banana peel and landed on his fist. Have we ever thought of that? <laughs> his poor fist nobody's asking about that bad joke i don't agree with it regardless of it's him, weird that the ufc did. is allowing this to happen that's the thing it to me it seems like the ufc obviously has some inside info that we don't know to put him on a card at all you'd think uh, they just want to stay fucking clear of it. it i would think so as well and they've done it before they've dropped other fighters for even um the inclination of domestic abuse kyle cope copeland no, not Copeland. Uh, Chope out of Europe was immediately after charges were even, there was allegations out. He was taken off the roster. Tiago Alves, no, Tiago Santos, heavyweight contender, was taken off. And then when the story came out in, in the Miami News, he was never even arrested. He was training all day. It was all the MMA community. It was all a lie. It was all a lie, but he lost his job and has never gotten it back. Yes, he did have issues with his marriage, but he divorced his wife. He didn't beat her up because he's a monster. And the other thing about this that I've just had guy friends that this has actually happened to. They were camping, him and his girlfriend, and thank God they had another friend with him. And I don't remember what happened to her, but she like tripped and fell and busted her face on a rock. And they were out in the middle of Oregon woods. So they had to drive to a hospital. So they just drove and drove and drove. It took them like an hour to get to some random hospital somewhere. They walked in and um, he's with her and she goes in a room to get her nose fixed. And all of a sudden cops show up. Wow. And he, because they, the hospital called. Right. She of didn't course. at all. Yep. yep and yep. just because the friend was there and he's like, no, I was camping with them. Like he didn't do anything. He would never friggin' ever lay a hand on her. He's the nicest guy ever. But he actually almost got arrested. Yep. If the friend wasn't there, he would have gotten arrested. They thought she was just beat bad enough that she wasn't going to turn Don't him say in. anything. Right. Yeah. So there's weird things. If she's a professional fighter and he's a professional fighter, were they training? Something weird happened. He busted her nose and the hospital staff took it upon themselves to call the cops. And get it. There's so much weirdness to a story. There is. I don't agree with it. And I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. Um, <laughs> it sucks. It's a shitty situation. Also, there's a lot of other people involved in the story, supposedly, from what's come out third-hand accounts with the whole cheating situation. And uh, still, you don't put hands on people regardless of who it is, man or woman. Yeah, and I don't care about that. If she cheated on him and that's it's why not he okay. hit her, not okay. Yeah, agreed. Not okay, but... Uh, I was just trying to find all the little grays. Look at how much I just stuck up for him. What a way to start the show. <laughs> Especially in the Me Too now days that we're in. I was about to say, and how do you feel about Angela Lee's husband as well? We talked about him for a while. <laughs> a I know. Ago. I, whatever this, I'm going to have to look at how long we've been recording. So at the beginning, like I can write, just fast forward to the seven minute mark. So you don't hear us talking about Rachel. Oskovich. So we don't trigger all of our fans. <laughs> I don't, I know all the lady fans that are like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, we definitely do not agree for any domestic abuse on either side of the table, regardless of who it is. Not okay. But to get back She's into... just got one of those faces that's begging to be hit. 
We're trying to move away. We're trying to move away from that. <laughs> Just kidding. So, oh, but her fight's back on with PVC. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We've okay. already uh, commented That's on part, that. Yeah. For, and with, yeah, the Greg Hardy situation. So I don't think she's that hot. A lot of people have started to say that. After this the ugly situation that's come about, it, she's definitely lost like two points for me. I never, I didn't think she was cute before she was hit by a dude. <laughs> but you know what? I don't, her, if I were going to put two when everyone's like, ooh, PVZ versus Rachel Ostovich, that's like a battle of the hotties. If I were going to make my own battle, that wouldn't be it. That wouldn't be my two hot UFC girls I put in against each other. Why couldn't we have like a battle royale tag team? What would your two girls be? Probably. Off the top of my head, and it's cupcake. a horrible. Cupcake, yeah, right. That's my two. That's Val one. and Cupcake? Mm, not Val. Not Val? She ain't your cutie? No, Val's always, she's the ride or die. Val's the ride or die. That's where you just know you're getting a straight up, legit somebody. Cupcake Bonnie and Clyde, they cup, shooting it out with you. Cupcake versus Claudia Gadelia. I want to say probably Cupcake, and I, I'm a fan of Ostovich. Oh, see, I... Yeah, that's just... Uh, that's uh, mine. That's mine. Yeah. But Cupcake's up there. Cupcake, it's definitely We both know top. Cupcake in that fight. Yeah. And she ain't even fighting anymore, so that wouldn't even be... Exactly. Exactly, exactly. And now I'm going to have to say fast forward a minute. Nine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, UFC 231 is a pay-per-view. It's been a little while since we've We're had in one Canada. of these. We are in Canada. This one is going to be out of the... Scotia Bank in Toronto, again being a thirteen card bout that was just put together. The betting lines aren't officially out for this uh, Diego Ferreira versus Kyle Nelson, so we're just gonna start from the bottom to the top in this breakdown. And it starts at one hundred and fifty-five pounds. Short notice replacement coming in on four days notice. Wow, Kyle Nelson is a lightweight. Out of Ontario, Canada, 27 years old. He is 12 and 1. Has wins in the BCT a year, six months ago. He has some knockout wins, some finishes against four and five fighters, 15 and 9 fighters. He beat Jonathan Brookings over. How was that? How long ago was that? A year, seven months ago. And Brookings. Two years a month. Two years in a month. Brookings never really made much of himself in the UFC other than just fighting a few times. Diego Ferreira, we have a bit more fights in the UFC for this young man. He is 33 years old, 13-2, and two, coming off of a two-fight winning streak as of late in the UFC against Jared Gordon, TKO punches, and prior to that being Aban Mercier at 155 pounds. But he has had a few losses against Benil Darius Decision and Dustin Poirier TKO over three years, eight months ago. I mean, we don't need lines out. This is going to be a minus 500 for Ferreira. He should have all the check marks here. He's had a full training camp. This guy's coming in short notice just to get his foot coming in the in door. Coming in short notice and um, from a lower weight class. Was he fighting at 145 pounds? Mm -hmm. That was the only way I could see him making that weight. I'm like, if this guy cuts weight, he's got to be a 45 or moving yeah. up. Um, interesting note to this about, though, is that Kyle Ron... Who is it? Jesse Ronson? was officially let go of his UFC contract at 155 pounds. He is no longer in the UFC after missing this bout, which he took on two weeks, five days notice. That's a little... 
you so know what? They, but I think by the end of the year, all these fighters, the UFC has a certain amount of contractual obligation to offer certain fighters. I think like three fights a year. Sure. And whether or not they take them is on them, but they to keep them in a contract. So um, maybe something happened there where they didn't care enough to renew it. I kind of see the Ronson situation starting to be a uh, some of the guys that aren't ranked in the top fifteen. It's going to be leveraged like, hey, look what happened to Ronson last time he didn't make weight. Make weight or we don't even want to deal with you guys anymore. Because it's been atrocious this year. It's been the worst weight cutting season I've ever seen. Yeah, well, a lot of people would say that's the morning weigh-ins. That's the like deciding factor, I've heard, deciding I've heard difference. That. I've heard that as Other well. Other people would say it's no IV bags. I tend to think it's the IVs more than anything yeah, as well. I think something could have to do with both of it. Maybe, sure. um, I like, I, I think it was Ben Askren. You can go back and listen to his interview on Joe Rogan and he talks about how one does it. I think it's so brilliant. It's so easy. And so it seems easy to do. All they do is check your pee level, like to see how much hydration's in there. That's it. That's it. You can't fake it. You can't fake the funk. You can't fake the funky. It's a good call. It's definitely a good call. One has been really premiered this entire weekend and week. They've been making marquee signs. They've been going after, um, they got Sage Northcutt as well. They were, Does anyone give a shit about that? I don't care at all. A lot of people do, apparently. I don't give a shit either, but a lot of people are saying Sage just got paid five figures to go over to one to fight lesser fighters. Yeah, go ahead and do it, Sage. Smart. Get some wins. He'll be back in the UFC. He's 22 years old. This is the experience he should have had before coming to UFC. I don't know if he will be back in the UFC. Only for, I don't think he's a good enough fighter, one. I think he was all there for looks. And by the time he's eligible to come back, he won't be worth the dollar amount he will be able to. UFC won't pay him. Yeah, UFC won't be able to pay him what he's worth. And, And I do think for Sage... Japan and China and going far east and doing that yep. perfect. He is a, he looks like a anime character. Cartoon or yeah, yeah, yeah cartoon, cartoon action figure. Definitely. Uh what I really liked was Ja Sitritong, the president of one coming out on the Hawani show and saying that they aren't looking for Conor McGregor and they wouldn't even want to do business with him because in Asia it's not about the flash, it's more about the Demetrius Johnson, Eddie Alvarez, family men, respectable Sage Northcutt being one of the most respectable young men in the UFC. And it's true. He calls your IFA your Mr. Faber, his coach. I think he's an asshat. I don't think it's respectful <laughs> at all. You're a grown fucking man, and you're talking to people like a 12-year-old. Hello, Mr. Faber. That's not respectable. You look like a chode. Like, man up. Grab your cajones. Just have a little bit. Hi, Mr. So-and-so. Like, yeah. Like, it's so Eddie Haskell. I don't like that at all. I feel like I see right through it, and I don't buy it. But apparently he's really that nice. He's a good Christian kid. That's but he's not say. a fucking kid. He's a grown man. That's now he's the problem. 22 years old. That's now the problem. he's 22 years old. For sure. So I'm going with Diego Ferreira submission from that breakdown. Uh, <laughs> Round number one. How do you feel that fight finishes? I got Ferreira decision and I'm actually going to stay away from this. I think this is the one that everyone's going to have super high. And I think that Fiera could get slept by Nelson. And the, he's not trained for him. This is one of those weird fights. It is the UFC and anybody can get a finish in there. I don't know if we have officially DraftKings lines for that Ferreira fight. Let me look really quick. We do not have that. I wonder how they're going to play it because it still shows Ronson if they're just going to put end up putting that. Because Ferreira was initially 9,200 on DraftKings against the 6,000. 
6,000 or 7,000 even for Bronson, I could see them just switching Bronson's name out of there. That's pretty low. I agree. I agree. So I will play Ferrero a lot there, honestly. I just. For how much is he? 9,200. I think it how is. How much a, is his points? His average points? They have been so far. D, 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 D. It I'm saving up all my money for Zivchenko. 69.9. Not even close to worth it. Has he ever broken 100? You, If you get over 9,000 on DraftKings, you've got to get over 100 points. That's why I've been saving since last week on Zivchenko. He, he's broken over 100 twice. Only once over 90 and then an 80 against Mercier. Only in his losses is it under 10 points and it was Poirier Dariush, so... Those are fairly high caliber guys. But Darius didn't finish him. He went to decision. Decision, correct. So that's a shitty amount of points Is a good to wrestling. go to decision. Yeah, he got out wrestled there for sure, which uh, I could see it being a stay away just from the unsureness. Who do we see? Hernandez come in out of nowhere and, you know, light the world on fire. But there's a lot of things going against Kyle Nelson in this fight. Does Kyle Nelson have a ground game? He's got a bunch of submissions. I haven't even seen tape. This dropped right before oh, the podcast. Okay. So... Gonna be honest with that one. So if he has a roll out crazy ground game, it could be a stay away. It but if be, he's just a stand up fighter, Fiera's got it all. If there. you follow us on Twitter, definitely we'll post something. If I see something, I'll post a bet. Which early on in this week, if you're following the bean on Twitter at Zoltanite, I put already three free bets out. That's how fun of a fight card I have. Underdogs, every single one underdog. None of them were minus money. All of them plus. And uh, we're gonna get to those breakdowns. I can't stand it when betters. I'm starting to see it more and more since you pointed it out. Do not give me a favorite as Uh, a bet. Minus 500? Oh, I got max units on minus 500. Okay. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. That ain't hard. (sighs) So, then we move on to 170 pounds. Chad LaPreece versus Diego Lima. And that Lima name tends to bring a lot more credentials to the fighter than it actually is. And that's because his brother... In Bellator is a contender for the title, came out with one of the best fights of the year against Rory McDonald in Bellator in a five-rounder. But from what we've seen in Diego Lima, he's just not that level of caliber. His ground game is much, much worse. And striking-wise, he's not as good as his brother. But in the division, he's just been able to stay here a little bit longer. Chad Laprise is a local Canadian himself coming off of a 13-3 and three record, getting a loss as of late in the UFC off a three-fight winning streak prior to that. He last lost to Luke TKO. Here at Lap B, you know we saw that coming. You know we saw that, but that's a big outsized guy. Laprise, one of these guys that doesn't cut a lot of weight for his fights. He always looks a little dad body-ish in there, but has really had a good gas tank. Solid boxing. Okay, taking on the fence, and his ground game is more getting back up to his feet to kill you by a thousand cuts. The knockouts he's had have have been from him overwhelming his opponents without gas tanks. And Diego Lima is one of those guys. Diego Lima I hate that I said, in. this is where I'm going to break it out. I hate that I said man up. I hate that term. Oh, man okay. Up. Okay. On St. George Cut situation. Yeah. All right. I didn't mean man up. Grow up. Grow up. Adult up, Sage Northcutt. <laughs> I was about to say it again with Chad Laprise. <laughs> so, um, no, I think Laprise wins this just by Diego Lima's going to keep it a kickboxing match. I think it stays that. This is a decision fight for me. I got Laprise, but I'm going to probably stay away from this fight. How do you feel this one goes down? 
I got Laprise, and I actually think he can finish this fight. Laprise is really great. His boxing games come... He was always decent with his hands, but the thing that he's using really smart with his boxing game is he's starting to pick apart people's bodies, and they're just not planned for it, or even if they are, there's nothing they can really do about it. I think he can do that to Lima here. He's the lesser Lima, and Laprise is a great underdog pick. He is a kill-you-by-a-thousands-cuts guy. He's not going to take you to the ground at all, and so if Lima will keep it on the feet, Laprise is going to win a boxing match on the feet in my opinion i think he can get a technical knockout by round three so the underdog is actually lima by plus 230 uh the favorite here is minus 290 for laprice 9100 over 7100 for lima laprice is a big three to one favorite here shouldn't be that high but it should be high I, a two I, to I, one two to one i agree with a two to one for sure um i could see the finish later on in the rounds because yeah that gas tank does not play well for Lima. Definitely if he gets stuck under someone for the remainder of a fight. Then we move on to the 35ers. We have Brad Katona coming in against Matthew Lopez. Katona 7-0 getting his first win in the UFC against Jay Cuccinelli off of the show. He was definitely a standout of the recent season, not the Tough 28, Tough 27 season. He was a finalist, I believe. Um... I can't remember if he won the show. There's so many fights going on right now. I believe he... No, he was a runner-up. Uh, but either way, he's got his fight in the UFC. Great boxing. Great move all the way around. TriStar Disciple. GSP guy. He's been working with GSP for a long, long time now. At a straight blast gym, Ireland. But I know for a fact he's been over at TriStar for two or three years. Um, good fight IQ in there. I believe he's an engineer as well. Uh, by job, by trade. But he's doing this for now. And Matthew Lopez is coming in with a 10-3 record. Smart, smart guys in the MMA. Yeah, yeah, the you'd be surprised. The more interviews I see, I always think of TJ Dillashaw when he was going to be a physician's assistant. And it was like, eh, I'll just keep training. Did you, and uh, who was the other one? Um, Super Sage was going to become an engineer as well, like his dad. Um, here's what I'll say about Super <laughs> Sage. He, you can't going to become something if you never went to college ever. It's a good point. Like you can't. Was he going to be an astronaut? <laughs> like, me too. Hashtag yeah, me too. yeah. You have to actually like T.J. Dillashaw was actually in college. Like you have to be taking classes Horses. toward that thing. Like, ugh. why is Sage getting under my skin so bad today? <laughs> Got him. But, <laughs> Ten and three, Matthew Lopez just is coming off of a loss to Alejandro Perez, who just. Yeah, there's so many Perezes. I can't think if this is the one who just lost against Joey B. I think it might not be, but prior to that, he also lost TKO to Rafael. That's what I thought out. it was. That's what I thought. Is this the same kid that started the hype train for the kid that just lost to Joey B? But I don't know either. Yeah, there's there's like three Alex Perez's in the freaking <laughs> division. It's like a Silva in there. But who is it? Lopez beat Mitch Gagnon a while ago. He lost the Yaya on the ground. He can get outworked. Striking-wise, leaves himself a little bit open, especially going into that third round. Lopez has slowed down a little bit more. This is going to be a dogfight of a fight that he has on his hands. I do think Katona has the more check marks, even on the ground, even though Katona uh, doesn't necessarily go for the submission as much. He will just outposition you and land those rabid punches nonstop. I think Katona cruises to a decision here, and Lopez might be seeing his way on out of here with three in a row in a... Heavy division at 135. I think there's a lot of contenders, especially with the 25ers going up now. Do you think that Brad Katona could have any problems making the 135 since his last fight was at 145? 
That always worries me. That's I think Watch weigh-ins on this, and I also don't like how minimal experience that Brad Katona has against Matthew Lopez. I think this is a far, far stay away, in my opinion. I think you... I'm going to stick with what I know, and I know Matthew Lopez enough to know I don't want him on my cards, but I don't know shit about Katona, so I'm not going to put him anywhere. That's my opinion. Katona... 8,900 on DraftKings against 7,300 for Lopez. I agree with that. I don't think Katona gets over those 90 points, or it's going to be tough for him against a quality opponent, which, again, Lopez isn't a chump. He's fought nothing but beasts in there. Um, So, yeah, this could be a dirty split written all over it for sure. I think you have a point here. With that dirty split... I do have Katona decision, but I don't know why. We're in Canada. Yeah. We're in Canada. So if it tends to go to... It'll tend to go to the local boy more so than not. And my point of view, even though Canada does do a good job, they're usually fairly fair, and that's GSPs in the main event. So, uh, betting-wise, minus 275 for Katona. Again, that 3-1 to favorite, a little bit high. little bit high for me. I don't like that. Weird. Weird betting odds. Definitely. There's been a lot of movement in the lines. So, then we go to the 205ers with Alexander Rakic against Devin Clark. At 205, 10-1, Rakic is a humongous favorite against 9-2, Devin Clark only getting losses in the UFC, but the way he's lost have been dramatic, and even in Devin Clark's wins, they've been by the split of his pants, or his teeth, the skin of his teeth, they say. Um, Devin Clark, his biggest issue, gas tank. After the first round, he is done. Now he's been able to go about two and a half rounds, but he's been at Jackson Wink for a while now. Still hasn't been able to get that gas tank under control. We thought that that big move to that camp a while ago was going to help him out. But it says he's fighting out of Next Edge Academy. From what I know, he's been in New Mexico for a while. Rakic really opened my eyes as of late. The 10-1 26-year-old prospect is jacked up. I had Ledette against him thinking Ledette was going to end up piecing him apart boxing. And Rakic... You just like Ledette's hair. I do like Ledette's (laughs) hair and his boxing but. He felt succumbed to moving down way too low instead of just fighting the slower, heavier guys. You opened my eyes to him. You were saying a lot of good stuff prior to that fight against Ledet. You didn't like Ledet at all. And Rackett showed a great takedown, great gas tank, and really moved well on the ground. Flowed super heavy on top. Also some heavy strikes. Um, this is a firefight, but I also see it coming in for the heavy favorite. I got Rackett in a lot of spots here. For a TKO round number two, I just haven't liked anything I've seen from Clark since he got in the sport. I got Rakic as well. I honestly, I maybe you've changed my mind every time on him, but I've never picked him yet on my history. Oh, I remember you were the one. I probably time was, and yep. then I probably switched the last minute every time. I'm gonna try not to do that this time. I have Rakic decision. I do not think he's. I think Devin Clark has an okay chin, and he's a grimy guy. He doesn't tend to, even though he wilts super uh, a ton as the fight goes on, I just don't see him giving up, and I don't see Raktik trying to submit him. So, yeah. But I want to say one of those losses that Devin Clark had was to... Jan. Jan Blakowicz in a rear naked choke without any hooks in. I feel like I had Jan in that fight. I, you and did have Jan. Nasty. You, you did it was have like Jan. like a nasty choke though, wasn't but it? When you're, it was, it was nasty. But what I'm saying, you don't feel like you'll give up. Um, if you don't put the hooks in, it's it's a lot easier to get out of that rear naked choke. But Devin Clark, instead of fighting off the choke, tap, 
So I do think he finds a way out if he starts to lose that fight as well. Rackick 9,500, one of the heaviest or the most highly priced fighter the entire night, over 6,700, Devin Clark. That's going to be tough, but I have so many underdogs coming up that I'm going to have Rackick in like 80% of my cards mm. for sure. And I might have him on like 40%, half of that. All right. I like to spend my money a little closer you to the main spread event. It out, spread it out to the main card a little bit more. Then we right as up. I say that, and then here comes the Quebec kid. <laughs> At 155 pounds, we have Gilbert Burns against O.A.M. Aban, Oliver Aban Mercier. You know who you owe, Denny's. I'm just going to leave it at that. But I can't let it sway me in a fight where I pick against him for the wrong reasons. But uh, OEM 11-3 coming off of a loss to Eric Hern Alexander Hernandez where the Bean had it right, thinking Hernandez was going to end up taking a decision there. And uh, OEM has some limited striking. And on the ground, once he meets somebody that's at his level, it turns into a decision fight very, very quickly where both fighters usually end up just moving from position to position. I really like OAM's submission defense. Um, it, it's standard, but sometimes he can just lose a fight by being on the bottom, even though he's rarely lost fights in there. 13-3, Gilbert Burns on the ground is one of the highest credential guys OEM's fought in a long, long time, if at all. The champion, Brazilian black belt, has been at Black Zillions for a long time. I know he's been out of that Florida scene for a while, coming off of a loss to Daniel Hooker. Via punches. Prior to that, he had a two-fight winning streak against Dan Moet. And also beating Jason Sago. Losing to Michelle Prezeris in a decision. Um, and I think his prior loss to that... He beat Alex Oliveira early on in his career. But striking-wise, Gilbert Burns loops his punches. Throws all his weight in them and starts to gas as the fight goes on. His fight IQ has been a little spotty to me um, against that Oliveira fight he was losing two rounds into the third round until he finally decided to get to the ground and submit him but he's one of these Brazilian guys that knocked out one or two guys early in his career and has stayed on the striking against Daniel Hooker and guess what you don't want to do against the hangman try to strike with him so Gilbert Burns four months ago had a nasty nasty knockout I don't like that playing into these but either way I think OEM wins position over submission and gets a decided 29-28-30-27 decision. I'm going to probably steer clear from this fight all the way around. There's other spots. How do you feel this one goes down? I'm hoping that this fight's a lot like the Evan Dunham fight, that if Gilbert Burns tries to clinch up too much, he's getting some elbow and knees from OAM. I love Aubin Mercier here. I think he has the better cardio. I think he has the better wrestling. And I, different than you, think he has had better competition than Gilbert Burns inside there. So I think um, that if Anthony Rocco Martin and Aubin Mercier can eke out the decision split with him, he can definitely get the solid decision over Gilbert Burns. I don't see a finish coming for either fighter there. The normal submissions that come for Aubin Mercier, Gilbert Burns has a better ground game than that. So I don't really see that. I'm, I think it's going to be a boring fight, actually. I Aubin, agree. Yeah. I totally agree. I think there's a steer clear. This is a DraftKings kryptonite. This one, either fighter, I don't think is going to score well for you. At 8,500 for the favorite, Mercier against 7,700 for Burns. Betting line, this is uh, also pretty minus 135 for the slight favorite in Aubameyang against plus 115. I agree. This line's spot on, but uh, again, low. This is going to be one we're going to 
get a beer out of the fridge, maybe make the nachos, get the nachos ready for the main event. It's going to be right around the corner. But we first have to hit 185 pounders with Eric Anders against Elias Theradoa. Again, another local Canadian is coming in against the 11-2, 31-year-old Anders. He's coming off of a loss to Tiago Santos TKO two months ago. Prior to that, he has a win over Tim Williams, but a loss to Machida split. Anders is that football player, one that was a part of that winning team, um, a super black explosive athlete, tends to gas a little bit. His IQ isn't the best, especially as the fight goes on and he starts to wilt a little bit more, but he has tons of power, a great body kick. Uh, Anders got tree trunk legs, and I feel like as the fight goes on, he gets less and less dangerous, and Elias Thuradoa will kick you, kill you by a thousand cuts. He will stay in the outside, pick you apart with those leg kicks, um, kick you up to the leg, come up to the body, and then just flutter and turn and run, turn and run, and if you don't cut the cage well, which Eric Anders doesn't. Eric Anders chases you. Machida got him to do that. That's why Machida won that split decision as well. Um, I also see a Sam Alvey type of fight here. I see either neither fighter really committing to two too much, but just because it's going to be two to one strikes thrown out by Thurodoa, even though he maybe lands 10 more strikes, but he just throws 200 instead of the 100 for Anders, Thurodoa wins it in the hometown. I think this also is a boring fight, and I'm going to steer clear for a decision. Theodoro is Theodoro is always in boring fights, and that is so nice that you're saying he'll throw out 200 punches because I see him throwing out like 50 the entire three rounds. <laughs> That's kicks included. Okay. He's one of the most boring fighters in there. He is a poor man's Leota Machida. Oh, I like that. I like that. I can see that totally. He has kind of a similar style, and I think that kind of same decision split could be really close here. The thing that Elias is, should be super worried about in this fight, this is the most power times three he's ever had in there. Times three. All the other guys that he's been in against. I don't agree with that. Who sorry. do you think is his most power? Tiago Santos. That who's been in with? Thurdoa. He lost a decision to that, but he got his split face split wide open. He turned oh, in his car. Oh, yeah, forever ago. Yeah, a while forever ago. Forever ago. And yeah. Maheta just knocked out Anders, so I'd say. Years ago. Yeah, he made a decision with Maheta. And Eric Anders took that fight on less than two weeks' notice. He took it on like a nine-day notice. I give just, him a short It was a main event. Two months ago, which I don't like as well. And yeah. he got stopped. Um, I'm actually going to go with Anders here. Okay. I, I really am just such not a fan of the Spartan anymore. Um, I could switch to Elias. It's Canada. I'm switching right now to Theodoro decision. I think this is such a garbage, boring fight. Elias could totally get knocked out. I don't think anyone makes any points here, and I'm going to steer far away from it. I totally agree with that 100%. I'm glad you came to your senses there. 8,500 on DraftKings against 7,600 agreed. There's so many other spots for Coming such to your a Senses would be like if you were like, I'm putting Elias everywhere. I'm glad you came to your senses. But if you're like, stay far, far away from this fight too, then it's like, there's no senses to be had. But either guy could fucking eke this out in a boring decision. In a boring decision is kind of what I agree is Who what I'm most agreeing with. Who do you a knockout more coming with? You think Elias would, could knock someone out? No, I. that's why. It's a decision, Elias, but I do agree that there, if there is a finish in this fight, it's more than likely Anders. But Anders, if he doesn't finish you in that first round... We see his hands at his hips. The other thing, and I could be wrong, wasn't it Maheta versus Anders at 205? That's right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So two months ago, he got knocked down and is moving down. 
yeah. to a heavy weight, a heavier weight class. And it says retired, class. but isn't Mahata fighting tonight? Yeah, like yeah. he's not retired. Why does it say retirement? Sometimes they'll just the the commissions will say retirement due to TKO, or they'll retire via TKO. I've seen. You know what spots. I bet they retired Eric Anders because it's too close to his real fight with Thurado that they had to retire him. And yeah, they retired him at uh, two hundred five so they can move him into one eighty five because otherwise the commission in Canada wouldn't let him fight. I did see. But that. he's coming off retirement. There's so many sketchy little weird things. <laughs> yeah, they're both two hundred five retired. Definitely interesting. Interesting. So. Oof. Oh, I was wrong weird on the fight. DraftKings lines on that for those fighters. Real quick, let me get the right. Uh, odds 8,200 for Thurdoa against Eric Anders, 8,000. So, this is a pretty much a split betting lines as well. Minus 125 favorite Eric Anders against Underdog. That's plus where I'm 105 like, huh? Elias. Yeah, the line has moved here. I thought Elias was actually opened up. People as are a starting side to favorite. see what I see. Oh, <laughs> good call. Good call. Then we move to the evil eye versus. Christ. Caitlin, the choo-choo <laughs> blonde fighter, Chukagian. There's a reason. The worst nickname fighter against just the nastiest bitch in the UFC. <laughs> that sounds like she's a good fighter, though. That nasty bitch. That nasty Jessica Evil Eye is coming in with a 13-6 and record against the 11-1 Chukagian. This is going to be a fight that uh, a lot of people have mixed reviews on, myself being one of them. We know, you know how we feel here about Jessica I. We got blocked. We got blocked because we hate, because we saw her quit at 115 pounds, but at 125, no, Jessica No, 135. I, oh, 35. But she was outsized completely. Um, at 125, she's looked much better, had a much better game plan, and is much more comfortable in there where... Same nasty-ass attitude. Definitely. <laughs> but regardless of the fighter, if we, we see you quit in there, we're going to call you out. And that's just what ended up happening with Jessica I. As of late, she's come out and done really well. Showed really good takedowns, good fight IQ, throwing much better strikes and having a good gas tank in there and being a a problem, nuisance for women, staying in their face, last beating Rose Clark in a decision and then Kalenda Fiaria via decision. Chaitlin, Caitlin Chukagian is 11-1 coming off of a 3-5 winning streak beating Alexis Davis three months ago, Borella in a decision, and then also beating Irene Aldana in a split decision, only losing to Liz Carmouche in a split decision. Chukagian is a forever split decision fighter. She's a decision fighter as well. She point fights, she kios in front of every one of her punches. Yeah. That person three feet in front of Jessica I is going to be dead. Not Jessica I though. Chukagian's <laughs> one of these that just throws a punch out to keep you at bay. And like Thurodoa, might throw double the amount of the opponent, even though they only land... 10 more. It just yeah. looks like a bigger volume overall. But take down the friends for Chukagian has been fairly well. I do think, though, that that's going to be the key factor in this fight. It's going to be the takedowns of Jessica I. Jessica I pushing up Chukagian to the fence and not letting her spam those punches and kicks. If this gets to the ground, I do believe that I won't necessarily finish this, but she will be able to stay on top for the majority of the rounds and eke out the rounds. This is one of my free, free bets early on. It was at a minus 145. It's gone, or at a plus 145. Still stayed there with Jessica I. I got the, the evil split decision. Got a dirty split. 
Give me Jessica I on the board. That's extra dirty. Extra dirty. Extra split. dirty. You're getting pink eye, girl. You're getting pink eye. It's extra dirty because I, too, got poo-poo in my fingers. <laughs> I'm going with eye decision as well. I think Chukagian has an eh ground game in Jessica I's aggressiveness. Her last two fights, if she keeps that aggressiveness, she takes down Caitlin Chukagian within the first two minutes of the first round and holds her there till the end of the fight. I see it just going exactly like you do. The Betch Kohea that beat Chukagian isn't as good as Evil Eye is now. And I yeah, so I I have Evil Eye here. I think 125 is her sweet spot in the in the division. I actually think her next fight is against Shevchenko Jr., which is actually the older Shevchenko's sister. I think she fights Antonia next after she beats Caitlin Chukagian. I for the underdog. Woo! 8,700 for Chukagian against 7,500 for Evil Eye. The value's there on DraftKings, but we see kind of a dirty split, so I don't know about DraftKings exposure. This, to me, is more of a betting line, specifically, not a DraftKings line. Because How much is it on DraftKings? 7,500 for Jessica Eye. She might be cheap enough, though. You, If you put an eye, you can afford Shevchenko. I have a couple other spots, though, that are lower we're for better value on this card than Jessica I on DraftKings specifically but I see her loading up a couple parlays and just getting some fat moolah on the back end of this one but nice I like I like that that underdog pick definitely good call moving on to the 115 pound fighters we have Claudia Gadelia versus Nina Asnerov and we still gotta wait for weigh-ins because I don't know if Gadelia is gonna be able to make weight Having a baby in the bun, or a box in the oven, a bun in the oven. <laughs> Having a baby in her box. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad joke. She's definitely She's waiting until after the fight. She's not pregnant, everybody. Not yet. Down. Not yet. Not yet. She yeah, wants that Ortega fight. baby. You think they're staying in the same hotel? I think it's cute. They're fighting on the same card, and I bet you they celebrate if they both win. But Or lose. What feel, what's better than losing? Or what will take the sting off a little bit? Maybe for a dude. A true, true, true. A girl might want, like, ice cream or besties <laughs> and a toe paint. <laughs> good point, good point. So, uh, this fight is Steak actually a fun... Steak and a dick fun... <laughs> <laughs> At 115, the 16 and 3 This contender. is a premier fucking fight. This is a great fight. This is such a fun one. At 16 and 3, Claudia Gadelia is coming off of a win. Anyone talking shit about the I2K game, which could be a really boring fight, tell them to stay in the room. Just they stay in the room. There's about to be two other ladies fighting very next fight, and they will make up for any of the naysay that went on during I Shukagian. Totally. Totally. Gadelia coming off of a win split decision over Carla Esparza prior to that losing to Andrade. Which some people say Esparza won. It was a dirty ass split. Dirty ass. Yep. Either way, either way you side that fight, I don't think it's wrong. Um, I could have seen that going for Esparza as well, but not mad at it. It was a close fight. Nina Asnerov, being 9 and 5, she's coming off of a three-fight winning streak. She's definitely finally found her sweet spot, which is training with Leon 24-7, getting all of the training sessions she needs anytime. Coming off of a win, Ronda Marcos, in a decision where a lot of people thought that Marcos, including myself, no, we had Asnerov there, but... um. We always have Nina. Yeah, we've been picking Nina as of late, and we've really liked the game plan she's been putting together. She's a black belt, taekwondo, has a lot of kicks, a lot of punches, not tons of power, but she's really gotten a wrestling game under her. She has a great shot, uses it a lot, and off I've of the punches, punches I've never picked against well. Nina. That's a good call. And I missed the first two, 
but I still didn't sway because she screwed me once, shame on me, screw me <laughs> twice, shame on me again. And then I picked her every other time and she's really And she's me worked up. out. I feel like I'm in that boat as well. Gadalia's in that boat for me as well. Uh, I feel like I've been fairly spot on. Pick JJ against her and Andraj and everyone else. I've picked Gadalia in those spots and we've really started to see uh, the holes for Claudia Gadalia and it's been the gas tank. She leans forward, throws the punches together, um, four or five, six punch combinations, but she'll eat one or two shots in order to start her chain reaction of punches coming down. And when people really start to work out her body and legs, it really, really starts to limit her. On the ground, she's a beast. She can definitely hold you down. She's been, it says Novo Nyao here, but she's been in the States for a while. She left Novo Nyao and they had a really mm -hmm. gross uh, breakup that we've profiled. So this now is going to be her second or third fight at this camp. And for me, minus 300 for Claudia Gadelia is way, way too off. I see this fight being so, so much closer. This is actually the fight that I haven't been able to pull the trigger on. Um, I think this also has dirty split written all over it. I have Nina Asneroff winning a split decision. I see Nina winning the second and third round. First round could be a 10 Gadelia potentially. On the ground, I think Asneroff can hold her own. Maybe Gadelia has a bit better take downs uh, i think they're spot on uh maybe asnarov has a bit better takedown defense but uh i see this being a profile contender matchup either one of these ladies could contend for the belt and it's a fun fight i got asnarov as a huge underdog i haven't been able to pull the trigger on the bet though i understand that this is a heavy underdog who do you have in this fight i'm so bummed that this is asnarov's fight i wish that she it's just such a huge step up it's like Egyptian how they say that human society evolved and it didn't go in like a slow slant but it went in like a staircase like all of a sudden they developed language and then they had a water system like I feel like this is that kind of fight for Nina I love that she trains with um the champ the lioness and I love everything that Nina's putting together her last fight however for me against Rhonda Marcos I saw her cap I saw her her peak I saw peak Nina like peak oil I saw her highest um amount of achievement I think she's gonna achieve there was something that stunted with Randa Marcos that if Randa Marcos stunted you and I know Nina eked out the decision there I felt like that could have gone either way and it made me a little like Ooh, it made me a little nervous about that fight Claudia Gadelia ain't that girl she ain't Randa Marcos Claudia Gadelia it's like there's Joanna and Rose and then there's like Claudia Gadelia Andraj, and then everybody else in the division. Um, Claudia Gadelia's next level, I think she had a weird thing. I, I think Carla Esparza is better than Nina on the ground, and that's where that was the first person that Claudia had gone against that even stunted her ground game at all. She's been able to handle every single person she's wanted to on the ground until that Claudia match, and I think that was a big, huge, like, oh, whoa. And even though I think that um, Carla won that last fight, uh, and it, they have it on decision, so it would be two losses in a row. Jessica Andraj, nobody hits like that tank. Nobody. There's no way Nina's even going to come close to laying those kind of hands on Claudia Gadelia. I think this is an easy, clear win for Claudia Gadelia. I think she takes all three rounds, and it makes me a little bummed. I don't think she has anything to be worried about in the power of Nina, and I think once she realizes that she has nothing to be worried about in the power of Nina, she manhandles her. Decision, Gadelia. 9,300 for the minus 300 favorite, Claudia Gadelia, against 6,900 for Nina Asneroff. I'm going to have some exposure on DraftKings and Nina because I think this is a decision 
and Nina throws a lot of output as well as throwing in a lot more takedowns now. This is going to be, like I was saying before, instead of putting um, I on there, I think that Nina Asneroff puts up more points in a loss than I in a win potentially here. Cause I, I disagree. I don't even know. I'm looking at her, the Angela Hill decision, the Randa Marcos decision, and then a whole bunch of people I don't even know. And then she didn't win those. The best thing she is going for is her girlfriend. I love Nina. I'm still going to ride higher in her as a weird underdog in places, but not against not the queen, Gadelia. <laughs> On to the... I do love Nina, too. I like. I am every, surprised like, because you are a big fan of Nina. But I Definitely. just know how good Gadelia is. It's There's a good like point. a next level with Claudia. Maybe I'm blinded by the light. Maybe. Blinded by the dyke. Move out, oh! of the, move out of the way, Lioness. I'm trying to look at Nina. <laughs> That's Lesbo, by the way, who said that. That is definitely Lesbo who said that. So, we open up the awesome. main event card pay-per-view with Tiago If you would have asked me a year ago, I would have said, if you would have said one of these ladies is a lesbian, Gadelia or at Ansonara. I, I don't think you're the only one. Evil Twin. I would twin. have thought Gadelia was a lesbian over Nina. Evil Twin to this day still thinks so, and he's surprised about Gadelia Ortega. I will tell you. Surprise. From he's a like, lesbian. What? Brian Ortega could flip a bitch. He's Damn. a good look. He's a, don't you think Damn. he's pretty? Like, honestly, from a dude, his from eyes. a straight man, his eyes. put a pair of titties on him. He's not bad looking. <laughs> like, from a dude's perspective, I feel like even as a lesbian, it's from a dude's perspective that I say, he's a pretty son of a bitch. He's a pretty <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> so, um... He knows he's pretty, too. He has his little gold teeth in. Did you see him on his interviews? I did see that. It done grills. Are they on girls or the caps? I, yeah, I don't, I, it just looks like two, like his eye teeth. So, the pay-per-view is going to be a fun one. We're going to have a Back from retirement. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tiago Santos versus Jimmy Manuel. If you haven't liked and subscribed, you need to, because there's going to be money to be made on this main event. This is where Lesbo's going to give her profile picks. <laughs> and Tiago Santos versus Manuel is one going to be one of those, ma- Heta against the poster boy is the 19 and 6 fighter coming off of a two fight winning streak two months ago against Eric Anders. Prior to that, also beating Kevin Holland in a decision. Jimmy Manuwa coming off of a two fight losing streak, being 17 and 4, losing to Jan Blakowicz in a decision. Prior to that, oh, Volkan Ostami in a TKO. Uh, Jimmy Manuwa, definitely the 38 year old, four years the elder to Santos. Known as a striker, good take down the fence, won't shoot a shot on the ground, Jimmy Manoa, ultra limited. Maheta is in that same boat. He's not really going to be shooting takedowns, but I would say if there was a grappling advantage, I would give it to Tiago Santos. He's just shown that he can uh, get on somebody and stay on them and just land those hammer fists until the round's over, if not, knock you out. Jimmy Manoa has tough getting back up off of his, gra- off of his back, but uh, it is... Fairly hard to get Jimmy Manoa to the ground. I don't think that's going to matter here. This is going to be a striking bout. Both of these guys come to strike. Maheta brings the boom. So does Jimmy Manoa. It's who lands first. And uh, people have been saying Jimmy Manoa's chin's been done for a while. I would agree with that as well. He was able to stay in there against Blakowicz, who doesn't have the biggest punching power. But Tiago Santos, as we said before, one of the hardest hitters in the division at 205 pounds. So Santos we're seeing stay at 205? 
Correct. Even though he retired from 205. That's what they call... Well... I'm just teasing. Okay. But, um, <laughs> so, but he's staying at 205. Is this a short notice? Two months well? ago. No, I feel like this was made soon thereafter. Huh. Um, it's interesting that he's staying at this weight. He must have liked it. He might must have liked that weight cut. Yeah, how bad it didn't hurt. But I got a TKO. Because he was doing all right at 185. Usually we only see the guys go up or down when they're like starting to stifle. But I think this is a better play for Santos. It's like that heavyweight play. He has enough power to still hurt 205ers where maybe Thuradoa won't at 205 oh. or Anders won't at 205. Um, but Tiago Santos is a muscly Brazilian not fighting in the States. Fast. <laughs> tons and tons of power. I got a TKO round number one. I just think it's the chin of Manoa. Even if Maheta, he'll throw. There's just so much heat behind it. That I got a TKO round number one. Who do you have in this fight? I think Maheta's better everywhere. On the ground, standing up. Um, Jimmy has a couple fast hands and some knockouts that people were just uh, underestimating his power. I don't think Thiago Santos goes in there and underestimates his power at all. I think he plays it just smart. And I also think he gets the knockout in round one. That being said, I don't know. I know I should put him everywhere, but I'm a little nervous. I'm going to say probably like 70% of my cards because I I agree that this fight, either fighter could get that finish. It's just 80% of the time it's going to be Santos. There is 20% that these are big boys that throw hard. Mm. 8,800 on DraftKings for Tiago Santos against 7,400 for Anuwa. I'm going to be putting Santos wherever I can. He's not over 9,000 in a TKO round number one pick. Yeah. I'm going to be putting him in as many cards as I possibly can. Then we move on to the 145-pounders with Kyle Bochniak coming in against Hakim Duwadu. Bochniak coming off of an 8-3 and three record, having a profile fight, losing a decision on short notice to Zabit Magomed Sharapov. Prior to that, getting a few a win in the UFC against Brandon Davis, we know what we're getting with Bochniak. One of the few fighters that off of a loss actually has hype. Yeah. We rarely, rarely ever see that, and it's because he came in with a great showing. He's got a great chin, great gas tank, great footwork, good boxing, good takedown defense, hell of a scrambler on the ground. Not a lot not to like about it. We just know that Zabit is that next-level guy, and Bochniak is one of the few people not scared enough to take the fight. And... Here against the eight and one Dadua Dad Hakim losing his debut against Henry, where the Bean had a minus two forty five favorite. Telling you guys, Dadua winning split decisions over Steven Silers should tell you everything you need to know about a UFC fighter right there. He's coming off of a win to Austin Arnett in a decision, but again, this guy came in as a finisher striker. He was supposed to be black explosive, but now that he's in the UFC fighting at level competition, I think we're going to start to see him fold a little bit more. If he's not a front runner, which Henry didn't even let him get off, um, he, I don't know if he necessarily folds as much, but that gas tank really starts to play later into that second and third round, which we did see in that last fight, which we know with Bochniak, he turns it up. He turned it up in that third round. So I'm really surprised here that we have a big underdog in Bochniak. I see him checking a lot of marks. Dadua keeps his hands a little bit too low, and that's where Henry Henry landed that right hard. Bochniak throws that same punch just as hard and laid into the rounds. I specifically feel like that right hand is going to be what starts uh, the beginning of the end. If it's not a TKO round number three, I see a heavy-sided 30-27 29-28 for Kyle Bochniak. I got an underdog again tonight. Plus 150 underdog. 
Kyle Botchniak. I don't understand how Botchniak's an underdog here at all. Right? Everybody's seen what he can do in there, and even on losses, he's laying out more points than a lot of these other guys are on wins. The other thing with Botchniak is I'm loving that he's from Boston right now. Boston strong. A lot of these UFC fighters out of Boston, it's like the it's it's the new Colorado. Qatar, it's like tons of hot fighters are Burgos, coming out of Boston totally. right now that you can totally bank on. I think Botchniak's one of those guys. I think he has the better cardio here. Maybe better stand-up, better ground game. I like him everywhere better. I think I got Botchniak in an Easy two rounds to one decision, if not, like you're saying, a third round finish. I think once the, um, it, this will be our test of Dewadu to know what kind of heart he has, because I think we're going to see it like open in the third and he's going to have to decide if he just wants to tap out from strike, stay in there because Botchniak's going to keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. 100%. So also one of those free bets that was put on early in the week. The line's actually gotten steeper. I believe it was a my, uh, plus 125 for Bocciniak. Now to plus 150. 8,600 for Hakeem on DraftKings. Again, 7,600 for Bocciniak. This is another guy I'm going to be playing heavy on DraftKings. I see him winning all the, all the positions here. It makes me a little nervous because... These are the two things I just want to put out there of my... Brandon Davis is not UFC caliber to me, and he stood and threw with Brandon Davis and didn't finish him. And he did win the fight by a decision, but it was like an ugly decision that wasn't great. The Zabit thing, as much as we all love Zabit, I still kind of have this violent Bob Ross feeling about Zabit where we all love him and we love his look, but he has yet to really show us any kind of real craziness inside the octagon yet. We hear from his coaches that he's the best guy they've ever trained, but we have yet to see the amount better he should have been than Bochniak inside the octagon didn't really show to me. So I this could be the fight of watching Dewadu go in against Bochniak and being like, oh, okay, maybe Zabit's not that good. Interesting. Good yeah. point of view. So I just I really like want to I want to go. Hesitant. He, I'm hesitant because we're both feeling Bochniak and we're like, what the fuck is going on? What are, are we the not lines? Seeing? What are the lines? So I want to just maybe that's the lines. I, uh, all, I Yeah, I'm going to stay with Bochniak decision. But. I still got a free play. I still stand by it. Throwing it out there. Uh, plus money, a little parlay going if you want a couple underdogs throughout the night. You're going to be able to make some fun, fun lines. Then we go to the 170 pounders where we have... Gunny Gunnar Nelson against Alex Oliveira. Gunnar Nelson has been has taken a little bit of a break a year, four months ago since his loss to Santiago Ponzinibbio that here at Lappy we called uh, spot on, spot spot on. And I feel like that specific fight has a lot to do with this specific fight. I feel like it's a really close matchup as to what I see happening here. With the 20-5 and five, Alex Oliveira coming off of a two-fight winning streak, as of late, finishing Carl Persoli two months ago, prior to that, beating Carlos Condon, getting his loss to Yancey Medeiros in a fight of the year contender a year ago. Um, that's just a fun one to watch. Really recommended in the third round. Either one of those fighters could have taken that fight at any, or won that fight at any second. But Gunnar Nelson here has definitely taken photos as of late that are... Uh, Maybe in Ireland, or where is he training out of Iceland? He's actually not trained with SBG at all for this entire camp. One of the few times he's gotten away from it. And uh, looking all sorts of cut up. He's actually implemented a strength and conditioning routine in his camp. And uh, you saw some of those photos. Photos Low and to the right, 
Low and to the right. Yeah, and I have seen everyone also talk about how crazy cut up he is. And they're like, uh, Jeff Nowinski, the golden snitch, might be sniffing around uh, Gunnar Nelson. He might be getting tested. But either way, that'll come up after the fact. Hopefully this fight doesn't get pulled. But uh, Gunnar definitely has never looked the way he's looked in there with those last recent UFC photos taken being taken in there. But uh, on the ground... Gunnar Nelson has a humongous advantage. That's where he's always made his name as a ground fighter. Striking-wise, it's always been super rudimentary, super looping punches. Um, really gets hit. Will throw that overhand right really to go for the takedown more than anything. And if Gunnar Nelson can't get a good ground game going, he doesn't do well in the striking. And against a Muay Thai stylist like Oliveira, it's going to be a tough day. If Ponzinibbio can do that to you, Oliveira can as well. And yes, I do mean eye pokes as well. You know how we like to call out Oh, dick out kicks. Oliveira. Oh, eye pokes. Oh, grabbing the fence. I'm missing weight. Grabbing don't the care. Shorts. Take that 20% of my purse. Don't care. I'm going to still win the fight and knock you out. I don't give a damn. Alex Oliveira does what he needs to do to get a win in there. And I see this, as I'm saying, against Ponsonibio. Oliveira has great takedown defense, higher output, and punches way, way harder than a lot of other people in this division. I feel like a couple of these garbage shots are going to come in from Gunnar Nelson. He's going to smash him with his sprawl, get up, and Gunnar Nelson's going to throw his looping right-left at him, and Oliveira throws down the pipe hard because of that Muay Thai. If not, I also see the clinch playing a big factor here. Oliveira just putting that plum on and landing knees. Nasty knees. Nasty Nasty elbows. Totally. So, as an underdog here, I got money all over Oliveira. I see him decidedly winning this fight in round number two or three. I don't think Gunnar Nelson can stand, and I don't think Gunny can get this fight to where he needs to, which is on the ground. Oliveira can also get up when he needs to off of the ground. We've seen that time and time again. I got Alex Oliveira, another underdog in a row. You're welcome. Who do you have winning this fight? You know, it's funny because on Tapology, he's not an underdog, so it lets me know that fight fans see exactly what we see here. I also have Oliveira. I think he can either figure out a sneaky submission by the end of round three on a submission artist or on that clinch game, have the better inside game to cut him to pieces and to really hurt Gunny Nelson. I don't think Gunny Nelson can, he can't fight anyone from South America. That's my um, weird <laughs> thing I'm throwing Maybe out it's there. It's like the Drake, it's the, uh, the curse. Yeah, he just can't fight anyone from South America. That's his curse. Yeah, like, uh, so he loses to Maya, he loses to Santiago Ponzanibio, and he will also lose to Alex um, Oliveira. Cowboy. I wonder... Hmm, I wonder what happens to Gunny after here. Another thing that's going to happen to him, why I picked late round two, round three, that new body he's working with, uh, eat your cardio, son. Though All them muscles, eat your cardio. So I hope the strength in training is working out for you. And who knows, if he comes out here and schools Alex Oliveira, we might have a whole new Gunner Nelson. But I, this is not an easy fight to walk back into. Will you say much. he's back? <laughs> I know. I'll, he's back. Gunner Nelson's back. <laughs> Everybody Eight, else will be saying it. <laughs> 8,400 on DraftKings for the favorite Gunnar Nelson at a minus 150 against the underdog Alex Oliveira at 7,800 plus 125. Another underdog. You're welcome, fight fans. You're There's so much money to be made this weekend. If you mix it up and don't put all of our underdogs, just parlay two together. Two of our underdogs together, Oliveira and I, Oliveira and Bochniak, you're getting super value. Yeah. Super, super value. So I've made... Every single card I've ever wanted on DraftKings this weekend. It was easy. It's easy. I have so many big, big underdogs here. On to the co-main event. We have a profile fight. 
a fight for the ages. One of the fights that we're going to be able to break down for years to come and just see the high-level striking turn into high-level MMA with both of these ladies being as well-rounded as you, you can get. you say this is the... For real fight fans, or maybe for... Uh, this is the highest caliber woman's fight we've ever seen in the UFC as far as... Uh, Skill sets? I would agree. I think they're the most well-rounded female fighters in all of the divisions. Because if it's Cyborg, it's only Cyborg. She doesn't have an accomplice. She doesn't have a nemesis that's as well-rounded as her. Both of these ladies are well-rounded. What makes such a profile fight in the making for so many years. There's so much history between them. Joanna, champion. And the professionalism of both of them going into this fight is... Next level. It's almost like they see each other just as pure... Com- There's no hate involved. It's a real competition thing. It's almost like a money play on both ends. They're like, let's go in this. We're professionals. Let's make tons of money. We'll both show up. Fight day. I want the belt. No hate. Done. I love it. For the vacant 125-pound belt, we have Joanna Champion, Yezerdechik, contending for Valentina Shevchenko's... <laughs> it seems like it should be so much harder to say because of the way it's spelled. Well, the second you look down at the spelling, oh yeah, it jacks cool. it up. <laughs> but against uh, the fan crowned, I mean, everyone essentially knows that the belt's Valentina's. Everyone has officially on every social media forum said that it's essentially Valentina's. She was forfeited the belt from Montano when she decided not to fight her. But as we're saying with the history. Both of these, Joanna could have taken this fight earlier, decided not to because she understands the preparedness that she needs. She's fighting up to 125 pounds, first time she has, where she was looking a little thin and muscly at 115. A lot of people were saying, though, which I'm like, not me, because people are like, oh, or I saw her coach was like, people don't know what a hard time Joanna had to make 115. Yeah, Yeah, people don't know how hard her... Uh, it was Cut. her to make it. And I'm like, yeah, I did. I've been calling it forever yep. she's needed to move up. This yep. bitch was barely hanging on at 115. Yep. So I really am interested, and I think that Joanna's going to look even better than she usually does in there. But she, again, has an opponent that's going to be able to match her. Here, you know, I Lappy, that we're humongous fans of Valentina, and we've been waiting this for a long time. Sorry to see you go, because we're going to have to find somebody else after this, it is the rule here at Lappy. That's why you follow us. That's why you stick around. But once she has that belt, she can't be our fave. She can't because she's done what she needs to in there. But we'll still have our Usman even after Val gets her belt. A lot of people are putting um, a lot of old fights into this fight where on their coming up Polish and Russian fighting scene, Valentina beat Joanna Jacek three times. We've talked about it before. A lot of people, I think, are putting way too much uh, credentials into those prior wins because, as they've said it on the countdown in times before, both ladies, this isn't kickboxing. This isn't Muay Thai anymore. This is MMA. And both women have shown takedowns, ground game, striking, elbows, knees punches, uh, high output by both of them, but I will say Joanna Jacek does have a higher output, lands at a bit higher clip, and has as good a takedown defense as anybody Valentina has ever seen in there. This is a marquee fight. For me, the line is super off here. The line is ultra, ultra off. The minus 300 favorite Valentina Shevchenko is a wrong, wrong line. I see this being a minus 150, minus 125 Valentina. This is a wow. five-rounder. I'm the exact opposite way. I know. A lot of people are saying it. I, I just, think it should be negative 500. I don't agree with that. I do not see where Valentina 
blows out JJ in any given spot. I think JJ makes this a close fight anywhere. I do see Valentina winning this a little bit, but the output that JJ has, I can see swaying it for her. I see a dirty split here, if not four rounds to one against uh, JJ where Valentina wins. But for me, the value's off. I can't put this money behind Four Valentina. rounds to one and the line's off. Ah, but I think those are close rounds at that. I, even those rounds. See, I, I think, think it's a dirty that split fight. Valentina has way more power here. She's obviously better on the feet because she's beat her at kickboxing three times. I think she handles her on the ground. I think she has three times the amount of power. If... if I still believe Joanna tapped to strikes to Rose. If Rose is going to tap you to strikes, Valentina is going to take you out. I don't even care. The amount of uh, punches that Joanna's always fought with, her old style of fighting, she only was able to fight like that until she was figured out from being a point fighter, and now she can't win. So I don't think she's going to be able to go in there and point fight her normal kickboxing style against the one person who's beat her three times. That's what I think she was doing for all her wins that she got the belt before. I think in every way that Rose was dangerous, Valentina is times 10. I think this actually, the odds are way off and there's still money to be made in Valentina because it should be, she should be carrying the odds of like an Amanda Nunes going into this fight. She should be negative 500. I, I think that Young Jacek, her only shot, if it goes, and I don't think she has a chance at winning at all. I just think if it can go five rounds because like you're saying, if it can go five rounds, it means her output is there. She, there. she might be worth some points. I just really, I see a finish here. I don't even have it on here yet. I see Shevchenko, um, a nasty ground and pound. I actually think this is the worst first fight that Joanna could have taken in this division. I think she could have had a couple more fights against some grinders to work up her strength a little bit in the division because there's no way in a few months that she has that 10 pounds of muscle that Shevchenko has from coming down from 135. So that is even dangerous to me. A 115-er against a 135-er meeting at 125. I got Shevchenko KO round three. Yeah, I just don't feel good about this for Joanna. I like what you're saying with that left hand, and specifically Rose won those fights because of Valentina going in and helping her put together a game plan. So Valentina does have, may have JJ's numbers striking. We've seen it already happen a few times before. Um, on DraftKings, 9,400 for Valentina Shevchenko She's against 6,000. every single one of my cards. 6,800 for JJ. She'll be just like my Usman. Every single one of my guards. I am going to play JJ here a lot more than Valentina in my... I, I just see this. I see JJ allowing me to buy everyone else I want that is going to be able to finish. And I think that this fight goes to a decision. I know. Controversial. Controversial. Color, color me crazy. But... That should be Cray. That should be Honest fun. opinion. I, that's the way I feel. It's a fun one, though. I, it is such a fun fight. I can't wait. To me, the next fight's the only fight that's really and, overshadowing. Uh, I'm so nervous for JJ here. Shevchenko's trained for Amanda Nunes, a tra champ from her same camp twice. The fucking same girl who's fighting Cyborg at 145. And now she's about to go against the 115er that's had 10 pounds or two months to gain that extra muscle. I love everything about JJ. She's obviously one of the best that will ever be. She's just, Val is next. It's not even that Val's so much next level. Val's in a different weight class. Val's a different size lady. Even though she's smaller than JJ. Shorter. 
Yeah, she's smaller too. Once weigh-ins happen, she'll be the smaller woman. I, I, but JJ's that like Wicked Witch of the West, like Stream Bean, where JJ without that, the distance. Hey, JJ or not JJ Shevchenko's got that. You know, she's got. She mean in her taco. She looks so different now at one twenty-five. She looks yeah, so different, up. like little, like a littler person. There's such a different Shevchenko <laughs> than one thirty-five. But I love my Val. Fun one. I do too. I'm still picking Val. I'm just saying. Sounds like you're all you wanna. I'm, I'm Sounds just like you're all you wanna. What's Evil Twin feel on that one? He's got Val as well. He's got Val. Does but he think the lines are right, or he thinks more like decision? He feels the lines are right. He's like, no, I think she should win about three to one. I don't. I'm. I'm. Yeah, I guess I'm the only one who sees this being, again. Minus 150 is, is where I feel comfortable with that line. But then we get to the main event. Did we tell everyone to like and subscribe? We, we did open it up, the, the pay-per-view. And you guys have been telling friends, which Thank we appreciate. You. We love it. And for all the haters of the YouTube, because we don't always get the video up on YouTube, and we tell you all the time, our bread and butter is the audio. Um, but we will try to get this one up because we know it's a big fight card, and it is a pay-per-view. It is, and the profile fight of the night one that still has to wait for weigh-ins. This is one that's still super tentative. We have Max Holloway, the current 145-pound champ, against contender Brian T-City Ortega. And the reason I say weigh-ins still got to come about is because if you've seen my brother from another mother, Max Holloway's out there snowboarding, trying to turn a knee. What the? F Did you? I was so mad I'm about so that. I'm so mad. I'm like, what are you doing? Dude! UFC fight? Camera guys, why don't you guys break the board and say, oh, sorry, um, broke the board. Can we go on, like, on a something else? Like This will be the third time that Max Holloway doesn't make a fight we've been waiting on. I don't 100%. care that he was short notice on Khabib. It's still, like, come on, touch me in the morning and walk away. That Khabib fight ruined Max Holloway for the next fight we were supposed to have him at. So Totally. Yeah, we still got a, his body. I like what everyone's saying, and I'm going to pair it here. We still don't know if he can make 145. Good that point. is the scariest we fucking thing. We gotta wait for weigh-ins. We have to have to wait for weigh-ins. And even with that, uh, other fights throughout the night, we have to wait for weigh-ins. But this one, more so than anything, is Max, happy belated birthday, just turned, what was it? Is it belated or is it today? It might be today, it might actually. Be today. It might be today, officially. I saw him eating a cantaloupe for his birthday, having them sucked out eyes. And I saw it could have been a troll could have been fake news, but I thought I saw a tweet that supposedly was deleted that said, I'm not feeling so good. It is what it is via Max Holloway. And then Brian Ortega even replied and said, no way, man. But again, it was a delete screenshot that I saw someone repost. Oh, no. It's, I retweeted it. I didn't like it, but we got to break down this fight as if it were going to come to fruition. What the UFC has done here, Moicano is ready to make way to be the step in to fight for the interim belt if need be. So we are getting a title fight regardless. So anyone misses, doesn't matter. We're getting a belt, which I don't really care. I want to see the matchup. I don't give a shit about the belt. JJ, Val, doesn't have to be for a belt. I it makes agree. it better. I'm, yeah, I don't but care about belts anymore. Let, let's watch the fight. I much more care about the fight. And that's because we have two guys in their prime, if not coming into their prime, with Ortega, where Max Holloway's been shining on a 12-fight winning streak. 19-3, and three, Max Holloway, for current champion, all the way around. Great, great fighter. Is he, the underdog coming out on this, he's, too? He's trying to. He's he trying is. to. And there's rightfully reason. So, on the ground is where Max Holloway has his biggest challenge against 
T-City Ortega. T-City comes in with a perfect 14-0 record. He has had marquee wins over Cub Swanson, Frankie Edgar with a knockout that nobody's been able to do. My only hesitation to that is Frankie Edgar has had a very long career, and it's only a matter of time till you get not finished with the amount of You don't want to jump on the hype of Frankie's never been finished. It was just a matter of time till he got finished. And he just happened to be... And it happened to be Ortega, but it was going to be someone else. It's not that Ortega is a striker finisher. He is a finisher, but it's more that guillotine. It's more those triangles. It's a submission finish. The striking was definitely much more of a fluke. His boxing has come together much better, but Max Holloway has some of the best boxing in there. Best footwork, switches from southpaw to orthodox back and forth. Been watching tape on both of these guys, and this is just like the fight before, a fight that we can go back and watch every round and learn something new every single round. Tons and tons of fun. How do you feel about the steroids claims coming back around in this fight? What, for Brian Ortega? Yep. I didn't even hear any of it. I don't hear any of this stuff. Oh, well, he popped and he took a time off. He came out and said none of his coaches, nobody knew. It was him. He was using something just to uh, get better from an injury, but he wasn't trying to get an advantage. And that's it. He did his six months and he's been fighting ever since. So he actually took a steroid. He got suspended longer than or he got suspended a shorter (laughs) amount of time than somebody smoking marijuana. Because he coughed up and was like, yes, I was injured. You can see my injury. I was taking this to try to heal my injury. Which Is it because he coughed up to it or because he's money bags for the UFC? That's 100%. Bullshit. That's bullshit. 100%. And that's what people are saying. That's what they're coming out. Max Holloway's never had any of that stuff. The local homegrown is just having them pineapples. You know what, Brian Ortega? In my opinion, um, you I feel about him like Francis Naganui. Like, it doesn't matter how hard the UFC pushes you. Once you get in there with a guy like Max Holloway, uh, we're going to see the truth. And I think that truth is figured out in way less than five rounds. <laughs> I love that you're saying that because I actually do see that the more avenues to win this fight is going to be Max Holloway. He is better on the feet, can take a hell of a punch on the ground. He ha- Max Holloway, some of the best fight IQ around, some of the best strike defense around with tons of output. Brian Ortega... If there's a flash knockout guy that is an Anthony Johnson who will knock you out with one punch, T-City is a flash submission guy where he'll be losing an entire fight and end up getting that flash submission slash knockout, but more so submission. But He's a Paul Craig. (laughs) Definitely a bit more skills than Paul Craig. Um, But I do see Max Holloway winning a decision here. I do see that especially in that fourth and fifth round, we see the championship rounds really play a factor. Ortega's never really played in that dimension, and Holloway's done it many a times and looked really good in those fifth, fourth and fifth rounds. So I see him cruising, especially the later this fight goes down. But again, this is one that if Brian Ortega can jump for a guillotine and get it at any time, this is such a fun one because I'm going to be at the edge of my seat. Cannot wait. Yeah, like at any time. If Max gets caught, he's fucked. He's fucked. Because they say no one squeezes tighter than Ortega. Agreed, and we've seen it, and... This is such a fun one. I cannot wait. I got Holloway winning a slight decision. Minus 125, slight favorite. I feel like the line is spot on here. I feel like you're going to make your money prop bets. How do you feel this goes down? 
I think Max Holloway should be more of a favorite. He has shown us every kind of adversity you could think about. And the one way he's lost that I got to steal a little from Dan Hardy is his inside game with Conor McGregor, which he's totally fixed that we've gotten Mm -hmm. to see with the last two fights with Jose Aldo. He pieces apart next level, guys. Brian Ortega, yeah, he knocked out Frankie Edgar. This Frankie Edgar. Today's Frankie Edgar. A Frankie Edgar... Ring rusty as shit, waiting for a fight forever, feeling like he was getting passed by at 145, cutting down even smaller from 155, so even more dehydrated. I don't know. I'm just not a huge... I think Brian Ortega's being overhyped. I feel like his ego, I've been watching it like... And I'm watching it blow up, and I don't think it's for any of the right reasons. I think he's loving the camera, loving the limelight right now. Max Holloway, we know he's comfortable with all of that. We know none of that stuff's going to get to Max at all. I just don't know where... Yeah, is Brian Ortega have tighter submissions? Yes, that's it. Everywhere else I give to Max, I think Max has some of the best hands in the UFC, and I think those hands find a home. I think Brian Ortega is in there in next-level trouble. He's thinking he can go in with the boxer because he fought Frankie, but he knocked him out. He didn't get hit once by Frankie. I just think Max handles him here, and I think I have KO round three, maybe round four, but it's really, I think it's up to Max once he feels comfortable, and it usually takes him a round and a half to really get in. Then he's going to decide when he wants to finish it. I love Max Holloway here. I think he wins everywhere. So I love that you brought up this point because I have seen the exact same thing you're talking about with Brian Ortega. He's officially come out and said that uh, he's really close to uh, being the headliner of a movie, blockbuster hit, being who was the last person who said, oh, we have a movie in the, in the works. A uh, little raw R&R. Little exactly. R&R. The last person. And also, Brian Ortega's already talking about his next opponent. Has he not already said it five, ten times? Buh. Non-stop. So, if there's somebody who's overlooking him, which I think you ha- are super valid here, I do see Brian Ortega. People have kind of already given him this win. His own coach saying, Brian Ortega already has a belt. And people have ran with that because he came up out of the ghetto. So, yeah. whatever. But... I do see a bit of overlooking of Max Holloway, especially with his weight cutting Max issues. Max Holloway, and not to mention, Max Holloway is the younger guy, the taller guy, the more experienced guy, gone in there against better competition, yep. the more humble guy. Yep. By far, even though the best is blessed and the future is blessed and all that bullshit, he's so fucking humble. And I would even say his story is equivalent to Brian Ortega's of the gutter ghetto he came out of and crawled his way up to the top and now he's like this upstanding hero in Hawaii stand up dad hanging out with oh no Drake the Drake that's what I was gonna bring up next so do you believe in curses because the Drizzy Drake curse has been spot on, same you know as the what? UFC cover this curse. This is why I'll say that I don't think the Drake curse is spot on. Because Drake is just a Connor rider die. So really just the Connor curse is spot on. Connor's lost every time he's hung out with Drake. Okay, okay. So that's it. It's just Connor. It has nothing to do with it. He's been trying to get on Max's coattails for a bit now. That's why he put him in rap songs. He didn't put McGregor in the rap song. He put blessed like Holloway or something like that. So, so eight thousand three hundred on DraftKings for Max Holloway against seven thousand nine hundred for Brian Ortega. I'm gonna be playing a lot of Max Holloway in this spot. So I think that I will say that Ortega loses twice um, come Saturday because he'll be losing once to Max Holloway, and then you know Goodell will have his ass tapping out. Woo! <laughs> At least he'll be getting something. He'll be winning something. Consolation prize. Consolation prize. <laughs> yeah, he'll be winning something that night. <laughs> and then maybe he'll calm down and be really humble and we'll get the 
and we can watch him because he's still he's six years young. away from his prime. Super young, exactly. Him and Max. Totally. When everyone's like, these guys are in their prime. prime. They got They're two p- years from their prime, three years from their oh, prime. That's actually a good point. Yeah, I like, agree with that. I love it, but I love this fight. I love, I love this, this fight card. card. The card is so good. I still don't get how people have shit on it even a little bit. Well, I don't know the fight. Okay, maybe there's two fights that I could see or shit, but that's it. The rest of them, especially with the two main events. Even woo. the fights that people talk shit about normally, like you have Jessica I on there, she couldn't be better matched against the stand-up striker. Totally. Like there, it's totally. perfect. Tukagian. You, normally, you see Tukagian on a fight card, you're like, oh, hand on face. Totally, hundred percent. I don't even want to end it with Tukagian I. Valentina <laughs> Shevchenko, Valentina Shevchenko, Valentina. That's all I'll end it. Thank you guys for listening. Let's both me. Thanks for listening to Lat B. For all things Lesbo and the Bean, head over to lesboandthebean.com or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.